welcome to Living Freely Podcast, where our mission is to provide you with down-to-earth topics on mental wellness and realistic tips for living life more balanced and achieving optimal mental health. Living Freely Podcast is brought to you by Norfolk, Virginia Public Libraries and is hosted by myself, Rachel Ann Dine, licensed professional counselor with 15 years in the mental health field and very passionate about providing you with realistic strategies. With new episodes coming out weekly. Join in as I tackle relevant topics for personal growth, one podcast episode at a time. Be well and live well. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Living Freely. So I'm glad that you've joined in today because we are talking all about a topic that I can only imagine you have heard somebody describe themselves this way, or maybe you have even described yourself in this manner. And the topic at hand is burnout. And no, I'm not talking about your holiday candle that is burnt out. I'm talking about how human beings under immense amounts of stress can reach the point of burnout. So I'm going to be discussing a couple important pieces of what burnout looks like, what compassion fatigue is, ways to help you curb feeling burnt out, if this is the case for you now or it has been in the past. I want you to learn to check your own oxygen mask before helping others. So we've heard that phrase before, and it is one of my favorites, that we must check in with ourselves first and make sure that we are not too overloaded prior to trying to pour from that proverbial empty cup. And then we're going to talk about ways to learn how to reframe feeling sometimes that sense of selfishness or guilt over even taking care of yourself before taking care of other people. And then last but not least, we're talking all about the symptoms of burnout and recognizing when these come up for you. And again, how to manage it because burnout is real. It happens to all of us at some point in time. Sometimes it can pop up seemingly out of nowhere. And that's because life has been moving forward at such a rapid pace that when you finally take a step and and take a breath, you realize, wow, I don't feel like I have anything left to give. So I want to start by kicking off from some great information from an article written by Healthline, tips for identifying and preventing burnout. The first piece of it is what exactly is burnout? So believe it or not, the term feeling burnt out has been around since the 1970s and was originally coined by a psychologist named Herbert Freudenberger. And he described burnt out feelings as a severe stress condition that leads to physical, mental, and emotional exhaustion. So the difference between burnt out and stress and even fatigue is that Burnout makes it challenging for people to start to try to cope with the stress and handle even the day-to-day responsibilities. So that can even be a great indication that you're starting to reach that point of no return in terms of the burnout feeling is if little day-to-day responsibilities are going to the wayside. This could be maintaining the cleanliness of your home. I mean, I hear about this a lot when those feelings of exhaustion that are so extreme, folks aren't feeling like they have anything left to give, what's one of the first things things that goes to the wayside? It can be just even maintaining the household, grocery shopping, doing laundry, things of that nature. So oftentimes people experiencing burnout will feel that they are just kind of stretched way too thin, as I keep saying, feel like they have nothing left to give. And that can be on that emotional, mental, or physical capacity. It may even start to dread getting out of bed each morning, going to work, taking care of the kids, all of the above. Another factor that goes into the development of feeling burnt out and the experience of such is that if a pessimistic outlook towards life starts to come about, so if everything seems dark, dreary, 
or there is even that hopelessness that is coming forth, like, you know, maybe making statements, things will never get better. This is way too much that I can handle. I'm never going to be able to manage whatever is going on. And If you have an underlying diagnosis already or you just know that you suffer from depression, we know that burnout and feeling burnout and stress too thin can just exacerbate the symptoms of depression and anxiety. So much like symptoms of depression and anxiety, sometimes feeling burnt out can in some ways start to lessen but it never fully goes away on its own without some kind of intervention from you working through what is causing the burnout and how can I implement new strategies in my life to feel better. Now, if left untreated, and I'm sure that maybe you are this person, maybe you've known someone like this, that despite recognizing I'm so burnt out, it's almost like they don't give themselves grace to just take pause or set those healthy boundaries and they keep plowing through, which can almost inevitably lead to physical and even psychological issues such as that exacerbated depression, anxiety, even heart disease, and diabetes. Because we now know that mental health and physical health are tied so closely together. And when we are physically exhausted, it can absolutely affect our mental health. So who can get burnout? Well, the short and easy answer is that really just about anyone can experience symptoms of burnout. But traditionally, anyone who is continually exposed to high levels of stress is is highly likely to feel burnout. So anyone in the helping profession, first responders, doctors, nurses, teachers, therapists are especially vulnerable to experiencing symptoms of burnout. So along with even symptoms of career-induced burnout, people who care for children, so that could be mom and dad, like I've already alluded to, teachers, people working in childcare facilities can absolutely experience this type of extreme exhaustion. So personality characteristics can play a role in the experience of burnout. So particularly personality characteristics where a person consistently feels the need to be in control, has some type A personality traits to them where they want everything to be so orderly and tidy and organized. And then also perfectionism. High levels of perfectionism can induce symptoms of burnout, which definitely makes complete sense because if you're constantly striving for perfection, you're almost setting yourself up for that unattainable goal. And like I've already said, certainly increases the likelihood of experiencing symptoms of burnout. So now I know that we are only in the first month of the new year, but this is also the time where there can be changes within your work setting. There can always be changes in your work setting or in your home life. We all know that we can't control when a family member becomes ill, when you have to start caring for someone. So I think that it doesn't matter what kind of what what you know the time of year it may be burnout happens really at any point so i want to break down really quickly the differences between stress and burnout just to kind of give you even more insight into whether or not you're feeling high levels of stress versus whether or not you have reached that point of burnout so Stress is often characterized by a sense of over-engagement. You have completely overextended yourself. You're involved in so many different activities, groups. You are taking on extra tasks at work. You are in the classroom with your kids doing extra activities, whereas burnout is characterized by a 
disengagement. This can be on a physical, a mental, or an emotional level. Once you hit that wall of feeling burnt out, you really just kind of numb out. That's the way I like to to phrase it. You become very disengaged and it's so similar to that symptom of depression where you kind of start to lose pleasure in activities that you used to really love. So maybe if you are a nurse, for example, and you're tuning in today and you have always loved being a nurse and been such a caretaker for your patients, when you recognize that, hey, I don't have the same fire about this anymore. I hate going to work. I don't want to be in the workplace at all. I don't feel like I can. I have anything to give to my patients. That's that disengagement coming forward. So definitely a huge difference between stress, being overextended in terms of your obligations, burnout, disengaged. And don't fear I am going to also provide some strategies for managing and working through symptoms of burnout. So if you're already from the get-go hearing this episode and thinking, okay, I'm there, then stay tuned because we're going to talk all about it. So in terms of getting back to the difference between stress and burnout, with stress, emotions are typically overreactive. So that's when you find that you're becoming overly tearful. And it's almost in a disproportionate manner. Now, I'm not getting on to my folks that identify as the criers and the people who shed a tear very easily. I'm talking about if that is something that is not keen to who you are and you've noticed that you're getting angrier more easily, sad more easily, and it feels heightened definitely a characteristic of stress. Whereas burnout, we're going back to that opposite end of the spectrum where emotions are just blunted. It's almost like you are just kind of starting to hit that robotic flow, not really letting yourself feel, or maybe you're just so exhausted that you aren't feeling emotions. Stress will often produce a sense of urgency or even hyperactivity. You're running around like crazy trying to get everything done. You're over-engaged, so you're still in the mix of trying to fulfill all those roles that you have, accomplish all those tasks, whereas burnout produces almost a state of helplessness and hopelessness. And I know that if you have watched the news recently or throughout the season that we are currently in, there is a lot of information on the media right now, even about healthcare workers, rightfully so, during this very stressful time, feeling almost that sense of helplessness or hopelessness. You know, how are we going to slow the spread of the virus? All of the above. But certainly, Burnout produces helplessness and hopelessness. Stress equates to often a loss of energy, whereas burnout elicits a loss of motivation, even ideals, and again, hope. Stress will lead to anxiety disorders. So that's where that over worrying, over generalization of worries, you start to worry about pretty much the main facets of your life. Whereas burnout leads to a feeling of detachment and depression. So that detachment, you're not fully invested anymore with what is currently going on in your life. And oftentimes, this is by no fault even of your own. This could be, you know, career-induced burnout. You are just dealing with a high workload level. I, I go back to the healthcare workers right now who are on the front lines during the pandemic. I've heard this from a lot of therapists where the burnout is real. And because there's such an influx and such a need for people to receive treatment, uh, either in terms of mental health or physical health, that it does kind of lead to that sense of helplessness or hopelessness. And this is where we all have to do a great job of trying to take care of ourselves. And I will definitely touch into that. Don't let this topic 
from today prevent you though from reaching out for assistance? I just have to put that out there because thank goodness most healthcare workers and therapists are trained to know, okay, I'm reaching this level. Let me take a day, a couple days off to regroup and kind of find my footing again. But for the sake of everyone, it is important to recognize the difference between stress and burnout and how it manifests itself in different groups of people, I believe. So another characteristic of stress is that the primary damage is physical. So we know that high levels of stress definitely can elicit that high blood pressure. It can cause interruptions in sleep. Whereas for burnout, that primary damage is emotional. And that's where it goes back to emotions are blunted. You feel disengaged, especially from the activities that you used to love and brought you a lot of joy. So we know that stress can affect the physical state of someone so much that it can even induce heart attacks and cause death prematurely, whereas burnout goes back into that emotional component of almost making life seem that it's not worth living. So I know that that is definitely um, speaks to just the severity of where burnout can lead a person, and that's why I'm so glad to be here today talking about how burnout can manifest itself because I do think sometimes people don't get it, give it enough power and instead they just continue to plow through despite experiencing some of these symptoms. So some of the causes of burnout, because I'm sure that we, like I've already said, you may have already recognized, hey, I felt burnout before or I'm in that place right now. But let's go in and let's talk about the causes of it because I do love a good root cause origin. So we know that burnout can absolutely stem from your working environment. So anyone who feels overworked and undervalued is absolutely at risk for burnout. And this this is from any kind of occupation that you could be in. Administrative assisting, janitorial services, I've already said teaching, working at a grocery store. It does not matter what occupation you have. If you feel overworked and undervalued, absolutely it can induce those symptoms of burnout. But we also know that Parents who are full-time staying at home, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home dad, you are the primary caregiver of the family, definitely can place a lot of pressure on you and cause those feelings of overwhelm and then detachment. So other factors do also contribute to experiencing burnout, including lifestyle and even personality traits. So Ways that you can start to recognize, and this is taking it even more specifically to symptoms that I encourage you to evaluate in yourself in this moment, or bookmark this episode, and if you're starting to notice that these are coming up for you at a later date, now you have a reference point to even hear, Um, and this is taken from helpguide.org, burnout prevention and recovery. So work-related causes of burnout. So if you have felt like you have little or no control over your work, will absolutely start to elicit those symptoms of burnout. If you feel like you have a lack of recognition or reward for good work, absolutely. So nobody wants to be in a workplace where the expectations are high and when you meet them, there is no verbal affirmation or monetary affirmation. Um, Another way to start to understand the cause of burnout related to work is if you have unclear or overly demanding job expectations, or if you're doing work that feels monotonous or unchallenging. The last one would be working in a chaotic or high-pressure environment, and that just goes across so many different work environments. So any of those factors can cause burnout. Now, let's talk about lifestyle causes of burnout because you could potentially be in the phase of your life where maybe you are not full-time employed right now 
and you're hearing this and thinking, well, I still definitely feel burnt out. Well, lifestyle can 100% cause these symptoms of burnout. So the first one would be working too much without enough time for socializing or relaxing. Just because you may not be going into an office absolutely does not mean that a person can't work too much. There is always something to be done in the home. I am definitely speaking from my own experience. (laughs) It seems like once you get done with one load of laundry, something else comes up. Let's unload the dishwasher. Oh, we got to mow the grass. So working too much without enough time for socializing or relaxing having a lack of close supportive relationships. So that is a huge theme across almost every episode of Living Freely podcast is that I do like to hammer in that point that having a sense of connection with people in our lives is so vitally important. And when we don't have that lack of close supportive relationships, whether it's that girlfriend or that good male friend that you can call and vent to and receive that validation and support, it can elicit a whole slew of of negative effects on that emotional level, even feelings of isolation. So another lifestyle cause of burnout would be taking on too many responsibilities without enough help from others. So trying to do it all. I think about the stay-at-home mom who we have all either been raised by a mom who stayed at home or maybe your mom worked out of the house and at home. Maybe it's a stay-at-home dad. And they try to do it all without asking their partner for any help. And there's a whole, you know, my own theories behind why men and women who stay at home do that. But it can 100% cause those symptoms of burnout. And then last but not least, excuse me, not getting enough sleep. So not getting that quality sleep that a brain and a body needs to rest heal, and reset, and let our hormone levels rebalance. Now, I do love a good personality study on the traits that go into inducing a sense of burnout. And so I've alluded to some of these, but now we'll get into a little bit more deeply what some of these personality traits look like that can contribute to burnout. So as I've already said, having high perfectionistic tendencies and even feeling that nothing is ever good enough or you're not doing a good enough job can go into extreme burnout. No one is perfect. And when folks place that pressure on themselves to be perfect or try to always be on point or happy or or just ignore the emotions that something feels off, then it not only can induce burnout, but as we have talked about throughout Living Freely, it can exacerbate underlying symptoms of depression or anxiety. So it goes without saying perfectionistic tendencies can contribute to burnout. And now we've also got a pessimistic view of yourself and the world. I know that there are several different ways that people view the world. We've got our optimists who typically try to see everything from a good place. Then you've got your realist who kind of sees things for what they are, but they don't let themselves become too optimistic or too pessimistic. And then we have the pessimistic view. So this is where everything, you just, there's just a dark view of what life is like. And that's where If that's always kind of been ingrained in a person and who they are, then it can contribute a person and help them to become more likely to experience burnout even at more frequent rates. So the next personality trait is the need to be in control in addition to reluctance to delegate to others. So this is when I think about if there is a huge family function and instead of somebody asking other people for help, they say, nope, I've got it all. And then they end up running around like crazy, stressed out to the max, 
not delegating or asking other folks for help in the family. So this is where in the family unit, maybe even as I'm saying this, this kind of resonates with you. I Either maybe you struggle with delegating to others or you've witnessed this. But certainly that need to be in control can have kind of negative effects on a person just in general. We kind of have to pick and choose what we are in control of, but it can also contribute to burnout. And then last but not least, any kind of high achieving type A personality type, we all know that there are positives and negatives to being perfectionistic, to being high achieving, and type A. Typically, these folks fly under the radar because they get so much done. They're typically very successful because they're so high achieving and organized being a type A person. But that constant striving for a sense of achievement can cause a person to keep that goal so focused that they start neglecting emotional and mental needs that they currently have. So I thought that this was very interesting. I love the difference between stress and burnout. I like to go ahead and put all of that out there because I think We all get stressed, but if the stress continues to progress and we ignore it, then that's when the burnout really starts to surface. So we're going to keep it moving and continue on by just touching in on the five stages of burnout. And then I'm also going to review what compassion fatigue is, because this is another, I feel, very important factor that kind of goes into burnout, but it's slightly different. So let's get right into that. So before I go on, I do want to really quickly just touch on what compassion fatigue is. So compassion fatigue is slightly different from the experience of burnout. So compassion fatigue is known as secondhand shock or even secondary stress reaction. So this describes a type of stress that will result from helping or wanting to help those who are traumatized or under significant emotional duress. And this definition is taken from goodtherapy.org, compassion fatigue. So again, this is something that sometimes healthcare providers can experience, especially if they're working in a high stress environment where they are attempting to help others who are under that significant emotional duress. However, this can absolutely surface even if you are not in the helping profession or the healthcare profession, but if you have a an ill family member who you are their primary caregiver, then after a period of time, compassion fatigue can surface. So sometimes people call compassion fatigue burnout, but it is slightly different in the way that compassion fatigue is very treatable, which burnout is too, but compassion fatigue may be less predictable. So the onset of compassion fatigue can be sudden, whereas if you've ever felt burnout or even now are feeling burnt out, usually it starts to emerge over time. It kind of is more slow and insidious in its presentation. So maybe one week you you wake up, you think, I just can't even talk to anybody today. I don't even know how I'm going to do my job. And but then it kind of dissipates and and you, you know, eat a good lunch and you're back in business feeling better. But then the next week comes, the burnout is still there. And, and you start to notice that sense of, sense of disengagement. So compassion fatigue can become rather sudden. And some of these symptoms of compassion fatigue can be the chronic physical and emotional exhaustion, a sense of depersonalization. So depersonalization happens when someone is under an immense amount of stress or anxiety. It's almost a milder form of dissociating. So you really kind of feel like you're an outsider looking in on your life. You're not necessarily the active participant. 
participant. You are just depersonalized from the situation. There can be feelings of inequity toward the therapeutic or caregiver relationship. You may feel like you're giving more into the relationship and not getting back as much as you're putting in. Irritability, difficulty sleeping, headaches, and then poor job satisfaction. So I think it's interesting to point out that the feelings of inequity, so if you are a caregiver to a family member, I just have to validate right now, right here, that that can be one of the most difficult experiences because sometimes it will be that the person who you're caring for doesn't even have the capacity to care for themselves without total dependence on you. And so that's why it's so important to focus on prevention and management of symptoms, which as I promised, we are going to get into this. The last thing, I feel like I have so much information that I want to get across when it comes to burnout because I think that this affects so many people, so many different points in life. So before I get on to prevention and management, I want to go through this is calmer.com, five stages of burnout, because hopefully this can give you insight into how burnout develops. This is truly what I consider to be the psychology behind how burnout surfaces. So stage one is honeymoon phase. So when we start a new task, even a new job, or you know, you are kind of in the flows of getting your your schedule with a child, we can start to experience high levels of satisfaction, commitment, energy, and even creativity. So in this first phase of burnout, you may start to experience predicted stresses of the job. So I think about even new parents. So they they know I'm going to be sleep deprived. I'm going to have to wake up every two hours and feed my newborn. But it all it also can progress from here. So after any extended period of time without sleep or when this honeymoon phase starts to wear off, this is when the other stressors start to come into play that start to contribute to burnout. Now, here's the piece about prevention I want to share. In this honeymoon phase, at that first onset of experiencing the predicted stresses of a new situation or a new job or being a new parent, is to start implementing positive coping strategies right from the get-go. So taking very practical approaches to managing stress, whether you... Talk to your partner, or uh, if you don't have a partner, really consult with someone else on taking time for yourself. Just meditating, prayer if you pray, um, whatever that could look like to you, exercising to really start to get that foundation of positive coping strategies in place. So the next stage is the onset of stress. So the second stage of burnout begins with almost an awareness that some days are definitely going to be more difficult than others. I think we can all agree that that's pretty much how life is. (laughs) One day you have a great day. The next day, it is just not how it was the day before. It seems to have had a major decline. However, you may start to really find with these new higher onsets of stress that your optimism or even realistic approach to life is starting to wane. And you you may notice that common stress symptoms begin to affect you physically, mentally, or emotionally. So this is where the anxiety, the avoidance of decision-making changes in appetite or diet, job dissatisfaction, irritability, inability to focus, lack of social interaction, grinding your teeth at night, experiencing headaches, heart palpitations, and even forgetfulness. And last but not least, with this sudden influx of stress, that's also where we can start to neglect our own personal needs. So the third stage then develops into a chronic stress. And this is marked by changes in your stress levels. So you go from feeling motivated to experiencing stress almost on a daily basis. 
um, and it's just incredibly frequent in your life. You may also experience similar symptoms of stage two that I just went over or more intense symptoms than those of the previous stage. And so common symptoms when we start to enter what is called the chronic stress mode can include anger or aggressive behavior, apathy, lack of care, chronic exhaustion. No matter how much sleep you get, you are still exhausted. A cynical attitude, denial of problems at work or at home, feeling panicked, feeling high levels of pressure or just feeling out of control, increased alcohol or drug consumption, or increased caffeine consumption. So if you went from having two cups of coffee in the morning to now there's a cup mid-morning and then there's a cup in the the late afternoon and then right around dinner time you have another cup and that is just not like you definitely can start to indicate that chronic stress is filtering on in into your life we also know chronic stress stage and symptoms can elicit physical illness resentfulness repeated lateness for work social withdrawal from friends or family, and then escaping. So those escapist activities, and that's where substance use comes into play, calling out sick from work, whatever the case could be. The fourth stage is when we're here. We have entered burnout, and this is where symptoms can really start to become critical. So when burnout is talked about more generally, So this is the stage that is often referred to. So once somebody enters burnout, this is where we are. These are the symptoms associated with such. Continuing as normal is often not possible or just not even able to be achieved at this point. And this is where the symptoms include behavioral changes. So you just start acting differently. Maybe you feel like almost a shell of yourself. You don't even feel like your same self feeling that emptiness inside, starting to really obsess over problems at work or in life, that pessimistic outlook on work and life starts to come into play, the physical symptoms intensify and or increase. And so even with the physical symptoms, that's where that increase and uptick in anxiety attacks can come about. Or you go into the doctor and they say, wow, your blood pressure has spiked. And they, you know, schedule a follow-up appointment a month later and the blood pressure is still high. That just goes to show that that's how those physical symptoms manifest themselves. There can be that social isolation that goes on, self-doubt, and complete neglect of personal needs. So now the final stage of burnout, should it not become treated or you seek some help or just kind of recognition that, hey, I'm in the throes of burnout, that fifth stage is more of the habitual burnout. This is where symptoms of burnout feel so embedded in your life that it almost becomes the norm and you're likely to experience significant physical or emotional problems as opposed to occasionally experiencing stress or burnout. So this is when the chronic sadness, the major depressive episode occurs, the chronic physical fatigue, the chronic mental fatigue start to enter into a person's life. So my hope for you is to never let yourself get to the full-blown chronic burnout stage because as you can imagine, if you've ever been there before or you're feeling even on the cusp of it right now, it is not it's not a pleasant space to be in. And um, so I want to go right into tips for dealing with burnout. So this is taken, some of these are taken from helpguide.org, going back to my article on burnout prevention and recovery. So dealing with burnout, the tip number one, if you recognize any of these symptoms or you're in that first or second stage of the development of burnout or even compassion fatigue because they are similar in that way, excuse me, of how the symptoms present themselves, first step is to turn to other people. So if problems seem insurmountable or everything just looks dismal and bleak, 
and it's difficult to muster up the energy for you to care or even take action to help yourself, we have got to remember that we have a lot more control over our stress and how we handle it than we may give ourselves power to believe. So this is where we've got to reach out to the people who are closest to you, who you know, key point, you can be vulnerable with, but then also will offer you validation. The people that you can be more sociable with than, let's say, your coworkers. So you may work in a setting where you have acquaintances in the office, but nobody really lets it all out, so to speak. So find the people in your life, whether it's your closest friend or a sister, a brother, who you can just be your true self with and go to them and express how you're feeling. This is where also, if you are in the throes of burnout or even feeling that compassion fatigue, not feeling like you have anything left to give, the biggest thing is to limit your contact with negative people. This is where if people are coming to you and they are asking too much from you and they also have that sense about them that you can never do enough from them, we have got to start setting healthy boundaries and learn how to say no to some of these individuals. And I know that that can be difficult, especially if this is a close friend or a family member, but this is where I urge you to choose you, to go against the grain of maybe how you've always done something and instead choose yourself first. The next piece would be When you start to get that sense of validation from other people, you feel like you're starting to repair. This is where we connect with a cause or some kind of even community group that feels personally meaningful to you. Now, this could be a group of artists. This could be your church. This could be a fun social outlet, but some kind of group of people in your life who are like-minded about how to deal with daily stress and just encourage laughter and a sense of joy in your life. Okay, so the second prevention tip I want to provide for you today is to start to reframe the way that you look at work. So we know work can cover the work around the home, the work in the office, whatever the case could be, work has multiple definitions. Try to find some kind of value in what you are doing and whether it is taking care of your family, preparing meals for them, you know, washing the sheets on the bed, whatever the case it could look like. This is where even in what seems to be the kind of monotonous, mundane work that we've all had to do before, self-included, it's starting to focus on how your role helps others. How do you, how are you helping others just by taking care of what needs to be done? Um, and it also focusing on how you are able to provide a much needed service or even a product to other people. This is where we also have to dig real deep. And I say dig really deeply because that's how it feels sometimes if you're in the throes of burnout, but really focusing on aspects of a job that you do enjoy. So even if it's just chatting with your colleagues at lunch or somebody stops by your desk a couple times a day and and you guys just joke around with each other, focusing on some of those things that you're grateful for versus the things that you just can't stand. So really working to change the attitude towards your job can help you regain a sense of purpose and control. So then the next piece, and I feel like this could be a whole podcast in and of itself, and in fact, I think this was one of the first episodes of season one, But this is where, to prevent burnout, we have to find balance in our lives. It is only up to us to decide what our limits are and how much we are going to take on. So even if this means sitting down and making a list of every single thing that you are involved with that you do on a daily basis, from being at home, all of your home obligations, to all of your work obligations, we have to find out what needs to go. 
Where do we need to ask for help? But the first step is definition. Clarity is definition. So clarify to you what all are you involved in and what do we need to cut out? And this goes for toxic people as well. So those negative folks that may still be present in your life, this is where we we have to start setting healthy boundaries. And it goes without saying, when you have reached the burnout level or you can feel yourself getting there, you've noticed an uptick in your anxiety, your depression, or maybe you're the kind of person where your appetite changes, either you start eating more or you start eating less when you're stressed, this is the point where we got to recognize, okay, I need to go ahead and request some time off. Or if you own your own business, I'm just going to take some time off. So really trying to take that complete break from work to regain and refocus. So the third set of tips that I'm going to provide is to start with reevaluating your priorities in life. So when burnout ensues, that is where a lot of times your perspective can really shift and that pessimistic, hopeless view of life starts to starts to come about. The first step is to check in with yourself. What what are your priorities? What do you want to achieve in your life? What are your core values? And what is going on in your world that's taking you away from those core values? So this is a huge piece. Um, Burnout is oftentimes just the undeniable sign that something very important to you in your life is no longer working. Either you're working too much or you're not engaging in enough relaxation, but something isn't working. So we've got to get you to return to your hopes, your goals, your dreams, or at least what you want life to look like on a daily basis in terms of work-life balance. So I've alluded to this already, but that first step is to start to set boundaries. Really become very clear with yourself first, but then also the people in your life who you can trust. Let them know what's going on. Let them know that you are having an off couple of weeks and I may not be able to participate as much as I have been, but I still love you. It's just something I'm working on. But the key in setting boundaries is not to overextend yourself. This is where we really have to push forward and learn how to say no. Please feel free to go back. I created a whole episode on setting healthy boundaries in season one where I talk all about assertive communication and being okay with saying no. This is where also learning to manage the guilt because I know if you're a helper and you can be a helper without being in the healthcare profession, there are some folks who are just intrinsically helpers. You genuinely just care about people and you that's how you show your love is through acts of service. And when you don't sh- engage in the acts of service towards others, there can almost be this shift in your sense of purpose. Well, what am I what am I here for if I'm not helping others? This is where I encourage you to actively let go of any guilt that you feel about saying no and remember, I'm going to say it again, that you are choosing you. You are choosing you to take care of yourself, to honor your needs, to rest, and to recover. So really quickly, a couple other great strategies. If the burnout's coming about, it may be time to also take a break from technology. So I feel that a lot of times technology is almost a numbing agent. You know, we sit down, we start scrolling through uh, social media or just flipping through the TV channels. But it's not really fulfilling. It's almost, you know, we're just sitting there and we're just zoning out. So if this is the case for you, we've got to increase your fulfilling activities, whether it means you are have always been a bookworm, but because you've been feeling so burnt out, you've stopped reading or you, you know, even if you like to flip through a magazine and read that or engage in creative expression, we have to make time for those fulfilling activities. So in addition to taking a break from technology, nourishing your creative side. And this goes into so many facets of life. I love talking about creativity. It just lights me up. But truly, creativity is a huge antidote to so many different things, anxiety and burnout, though, especially. So whether it's 
a uh, project with woodworking or an even a new recipe, which that has been my own personal development. I find it to be so relaxing to listen to music, be in the kitchen cooking. And it even makes me like washing dishes because you almost make it kind of a fun experience. So whatever works for you though, art, expression, painting, find what feels a, like a creative outlet for you. And last but not least, we can't neglect the sleep, the sleep or the exercise. So moving the body, aiming to exercise for 30 minutes or more, couple days a week, even if it's a gentle walk, you you catch a yoga class. Right now, if you are still not wanting to be active in the gym, which I completely understand because of everything that has been going on, there are so many free resources even on YouTube with a quick Google search on exercise videos, things that you can watch and work out to in the comfort of your own living room. So I really hope that these tips have been helpful for you in terms of the processes that go into the development of burnout, the different kinds of personality traits that can lend a hand to development of burnout, and then of course the prevention of such. So just remember, it's it's a careful study of self-awareness at that first onset, even if you're in the honeymoon stage of a new task or a new job and you start to recognize, okay, I'm getting stressed. I feel like my breath is getting a little bit shorter. The anxiety is coming in. Let's start those preventative activities right then and there. So maybe that's when you decide to create a new project out in the garage, you know, something um, you want to build something or refinish a piece of furniture or cook a beautiful meal, whatever engages that creative, relaxing side of you, because we always want to try to stay one, really one to three steps ahead of the experience of burnout. And I just hope that you can glean from this episode today some great and realistic ways to do so. So here is to finding your own sense of wellness in your life. And as always, I hope that you are living well and being well to yourself, mind, body, and spirit. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to Living Freely Podcast, where we are bringing you all of the down-to-earth and realistic information on achieving optimal mental health. Like what you've heard, consider giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts so that we can be enjoyed by other listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We will see you next week.